Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The date is the 1800s. The place, Montana. Your assignment is to saddle up, grab your Winchester rifle, and let's move them out. You are about to ride shotgun with Mary Fields, also known as Stagecoach Mary, the first black woman to be a star route mail carrier in the United States. She was one of those women, as we say in Texas, you don't want to fool with. One look at her 1895 photo will tell you that. She is unsmiling in this picture, looking away from the camera as if ready to blast someone with that 10-gauge shotgun she owned. She is thick in build, dark in color. Her hair is close-cropped, her mouth set in a line. Her name is Stagecoach Mary Fields, and she's a Wild West legend that deserves a spot near Doc Holliday, the Texas Rangers, and Wyatt Earp. Mary Fields was born about 1832. The births and deaths of black people and others of color were not officially recorded unless it was in a family record. Little is known of her childhood except she was born into slavery in Hickman County, Tennessee. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, changing the legal status of Mary Fields and more than 3.5 million enslaved African Americans in the secessionist Confederate states from enslaved to free. As soon as slaves escaped the control of their enslavers, either by fleeing to Union lines or through the advance of federal troops, they were permanently free. But that did not mean black people had all the rights and equal access to job openings. Mary obtained employment on a Mississippi River steamboat named, ironically enough, the Robert E. Lee. As a chambermaid, she scrubbed floors and dumped white folks' piss and shit and cleaned up behind them, fetching and carrying and doing what they told her, but at least she was not their property. A judge named Edmund Dunn happened aboard the Robert E. Lee, and he liked Mary, and he needed a servant at home, so she jumped ship and became a household servant to Dunn and his wife. When Mrs. Dunn passed on, Mary and five Dunn children were sent to live with Mother Mary Amadeus, Mother Superior of an Ursuline convent in Toledo, Ohio. The Mother Superior Mary Amadeus was Edmund's sister. In 1884, Mother Amadeus was sent away to begin a school for Native American girls at St. Peter's Mission, just west of a little town called Cascade, located in Montana. The American whites had determined the little Native American children needed Jesus to save them from a life of brutality, hedonism, and tribal living. So Native Americans were stripped of their identity and sent to schools to forget their lives, culture, and language. Children were punished for celebrating their history or using their native tongue in these institutions. While she was saving their little souls, 
Mother Amadeus caught pneumonia. <laughs> Still in Ohio, Mary Fields learned of Mother Amadeus's illness and moved as quick as she could to Montana to help out. Amadeus recovered. Mary stayed on at the mission because, as writer Jay Drury explains in a March-April 1999 issue of Cascade, Montana, there was men's work to be done. Maintenance, repairs, fetching supplies, laundry, gardening, hauling freight, growing vegetables, tending chickens, and repairing buildings, and eventually, she became the forewoman. Once a week, Mary made a 120-mile trek to the town of Helena to pick up food and medical supplies. Mary made $9 an hour. The local Native Americans gave Mary Fields a name. White Crow, they would call out. White Crow! When asked, they would explain she was like a white person, but she has black skin. Mary Fields was a hard worker, and she could be kind-hearted, but she was also fearless and foul-mouthed. Not a good fit amongst the pure sisters trying to tame the heathens. <gasps> One nun added, May God help anyone who walks on the lawn after Mary has cut it. In 1894, the bishop barred Mary from the convent. It had something to do with shots fired, an angry janitor, and Mary's famous temper. So Mary Fields packed up and left the pious bunch for the nearby town of Cascade. She opened a tavern, a place where one could cuss and spit and be themselves. But she was closing the door due to bankruptcy in less than a year. Mary just could not turn away a hungry person with nothing but dust in his pockets. She built a reputation for enjoying whiskey and guns and all things a lady was not supposed to do, including enjoying a homemade cigar. At six feet tall and 200 pounds, there were not many people who stood up to her. Lifelong hard work had built up muscles, and her strength was legendary. Yet, Mary would help build a schoolhouse and a chapel. She also had several large gardens, and she shared the bounty with those who were needy, and she loved being around children. Yet, the Great Falls Examiner newspaper once wrote of Mary, She has broken more noses than any other person in Montana except for a change in the U.S. Post Office. According to the National Postal Museum Online, the legislation established new mail service in 1845 called for contractors to carry the mail with celerity, certainty, and security. Weary of repeatedly writing these words in ledgers, postal clerks substituted three asterisks and the phase Star Route was born. Star Route services begin in places too sparsely populated to warrant an official route. The Postal Service granted contracts to independent carriers to deliver mail. In true government style, the contracts were awarded to persons who proposed the lowest qualified bids. To bid, contractors had to post bonds. They had to finance the route. They had a choice of driving the route themselves, sublet the route, or hire an experienced driver. And contractors could have multiple routes. One of these star routes was delivery of the U.S. mail from Cascade, Montana to St. Peter's Mission. And the person who bid for and won the route was Mary Fields. 
It was 1895, and Mary Fields was officially a star route carrier. She was about 60 years old, the first black person, and the second woman to work for the U.S. Postal Service. On a side note, Sarah Black is the first known woman, and she was appointed in 1845. But let's go to 1895. From 1895 to 1899, Mary picked up mail in Cascade and drove it out to St. Peter's Mission, the same mission where she had been given the boot for her wild ways. And again, from 1899 to 1903, she was that star route carrier. By then, she was about 65 years old, still fearless and still cussing. Everyone in Cascade knew her birthday because eventually schools and businesses would close for her birthday. It was a celebrated holiday. Mary was that popular. Look over the photos of 1800s Montana topography and you'll see it was unforgiving. Trails were available, but then came that rocky terrain and during the winter months it could drop to 40 degrees below zero. The snow would brush the horses' tummies as they tried to make it through. No worries for Mary, though. If the snow was too deep for her animal, she tied a pair of snowshoes to her boots, slung the huge bulging canvas bags of mail over her shoulder, and trudged on. Or she would climb out of the stagecoach, stomp the snow down, and pull the horse through, a few feet at a time. Mail can't be late, and it never was. Mary Fields never missed a day of work, either. Think stagecoach, and you envision the enclosed wooden coaches with about four huge wheels, padded seats inside, while the occupants sway inside as a team of four large horses gallop along. Mary's stagecoach was a two- or four-wheeled affair. The wood was rough-hewn. It looked more like an open wooden trailer than the romantic red-and-gold stages of John Wayne movies. And it looked like it would fall apart. But stagecoach Mary drove her wagon back and forth through the route, no matter the weather, and a slouch hat, men's heavy coat, thick shirt and skirt, with her apron. The call went up when she came in sight of the mission or in Cascade. Stagecoach Mary, whoever saw her first, and then others added to the fray. Here comes stagecoach Mary. Hey, everybody, stagecoach Mary. Woohoo! She must have been a sight, sitting atop her stagecoach driving the horse, or sometimes it was her mule named Moses. Mary's skirts and belts bristled with guns, and her favorite being a 38 Smith & Wesson she kept under her apron. Bandits and thieves were notorious for robbing stagecoaches, which also carried cash for the banks. Hostile Indians had no qualms about attacking anyone not a native. Along the route, there were also wolves, slowly being pushed out of their hunting grounds by humans, or slinking through the dead of winter. Wolves became bold when their ribs showed through their coats. The nuns of St. Peter's Mission declared they felt safe with Stagecoach Mary around. They were still saving souls, and their charges reportedly felt the same with White Crow on board. She was big and dark, and she had all of those guns. She feared no one, but she spoke softly to the young people. In 1903, at age 71, Stagecoach Mary hung up her reins and her mail sack and retired, but not from work. 
She took in the little ones of Cascade to watch over for their families, babysitting as needed. Legend has it she befriended future movie star Gary Cooper when he was a child. She turned part of her home into a laundry service. In 1907, the Legislative Assembly of Montana passed an act prohibiting women from entering wine rooms and saloon or any attached room for the purpose of being supplied with liquor. It also prohibited signs such as ladies' entrance, women's entrance, or private entrance over any door or any passageway leading to a saloon. Cascade, of course, enforced the law, except Cascade's mayor granted stagecoach Mary the sole exception. Besides, there was a standing bet at the local saloon. A whiskey and five bucks, someone would bet a stranger, says Mary can knock out anybody in Cascade, Montana with a single punch. You're on, was the usual response. The stranger never won inevitably sliding that five bucks and that drink over to the winner. Mary had a knockout punch. Stagecoach Mary suffered a devastating loss when her house caught fire in 1912. But she was so loved that townspeople came together and voluntarily rebuilt her a new home. Mary attended every game the Cascade baseball team ever played. She plucked flowers from her own garden to present to players who hit a home run. And she could out-curse, out-spit, and out-mouth any umpire she deemed unfair to her team. But it wasn't just Mary. We need to be fair here. Baseball was still a relatively new game, and it was full of fisticuffs between teams, fights with the officials, and sometimes brawls within teams themselves. It was not quite as a well-mannered sport as it is on today's fields. Games were being called and championship series even ended without a game because of the fighting. Still, you can bet stagecoach Mary Fields was in the center of it. She loved her team and the drinking and gambling that went with the game. In the end, it wasn't wolves or bandits or hostile Indians, but a bad liver that pulled the brakes on stagecoach Mary Fields. She drew her last breath in 1914 at Columbus Hospital in Great Falls. She was in her early 80s. It is said the entire town of Cascade turned out for her funeral, and they said goodbye to a beloved sister and protector. The United States Post Office has officially recognized Mary Fields as the first black and the second woman star route mail carrier in the United States. Mary Fields appears as a character in the 2021 Netflix Western movie called The Harder They Fall. But there is quite a backlash because the character on screen is a real thin, light-skinned, gorgeous female. And if you look at some of the books on Mary, she's painted as a pretty slender woman. In one book, she has an eagle perched on an outstretched arm. The truth is, Mary Fields was six feet tall. She weighed 200 pounds. She was dark-skinned, unafraid to say what she thought, but she was also kind-hearted. She did not fit the mold of a female in her time. She broke barriers. She believed in hard work and doing her best and keeping her word. Stagecoach Mary is a hero, and she deserves her place in history. 
Thank you all for listening to Best True Crime Podcast, and be safe out there. True Crime Games announces its premier game, Survive the Titanic, the card game. In this game, you will meet survivors, gather equipment, and relive history. This card game combines skill and strategy with history and lore. But will you survive? The object of the game is to collect a set number of survivors and pieces of equipment into your lifeboat before Titanic sinks. But don't add luggage and watch out for those SOS cards. Just like an iceberg, the speed of a ship, or weather conditions, certain cards can change your plans in one turn. The RMS Titanic was the most luxurious ship to sail the oceans, the largest man-made object on Earth in her time. On April 10, 1912, the Titanic set sail for her maiden voyage to New York. On April 14, Titanic struck an iceberg. Two hours and 40 minutes later, she disappeared into the sea, taking 1,496 souls to the bottom of the ocean. Now you can travel back to 1912 and this exciting, engaging card game. As the game moves along, you will learn fascinating facts about the Titanic passengers that don't often make headlines, collect vital life-saving equipment from 1900s ocean travel, and discover objects on the RMS Titanic Manifest. The game is also a memorial to those lost in the hopes you will allow their legacy to live on. Some proceeds will be donated to a nonprofit organization that supports this mission. For more information, go to www.besttruecrime.com and click on Games. Now, boarding passes, please. Boarding passes. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.